You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. We are in London, and thank God, because Barcelona is terrible. Just kidding. It was awesome. (laughs) It always is. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. That is my work wife, James Hardigan. Hello. And my work abusive stepdad is homesick. Hey, cough for something to prove it to us. (coughs) Uh, The little sick boy on Skype. You can't, uh, germs don't go through Skype. The technology's no. good, but not that good yet, right? I'm kind of a little bit... It, obviously, I'm sad the fact that Matt's not well, and I, I feel Thank sorry you. for him. But also, this is meant to be one of the three podcasts we do in the year where all three of us can be in the same room. We should have all gone to Harn... No, you know what? That's a terrible idea. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Coming up today, all the news that's fit to quint from Barcelona because we are going to stab it in the mouth while it drags us to the bottom of the ocean. What? Uh, where, where are you going with this? I don't know. I was just trying to fit the print pun. Uh, Barcelona is always nuts. This year was no exception. There was that angled shoot-ish thing. I don't know what to call it. Uh, there was maybe the greatest winner interview that's ever taken place. <laughs> and guess what? He's got a chance for an encore today because we are having him on the show. And I have got uh, my swear word bleep noise is ready to go. We have got Hashtag scarf guy coming on poker in the ears. That is right. Matt wasn't even back for like 24 hours and he was already back doing Monday morning Matt man flu poker stuff. (laughs) He's going to talk to us about that. We got more details on the live stage show version of this podcast. And our super fan this week is Henry Kilpatrick doing the movie Maverick. We are giving away some prize this week. Did you this week? Did you enter the WCOOP satellite ticket competition last week? If you did, then you might have won a Prague National Championship package. We are drawing for that later in the show. You guys, for the first time ever, people are always like, Oh, you travel for a living, must be really cool. I'm like, nah, I fly in, I work, I fly out. They're like, Well, why don't you ever stay? You stayed in Spain. I stayed in Spain. But not in Barcelona. Not in Barcelona. I've been to Barcelona so many times. I of course, I could have had fun there if I stayed, but I was like, you know what? Everyone's always going to, like, Marbella and Mallorca and Tenerife and all these fucking places, and I had no idea. First of all, well, I went to Marbella, and I thought it was one of the islands. I didn't even realize <laughs> it was it was on the mainland. You thought it was on the Balearic Islands? <laughs> yeah, well, like, whatever, like Ibiza or whatever, you know, one okay. of those. Why did you pick Marbella? Uh, part of the reason I picked Marbella was because uh, I had a friend there, a okay. friend who was like, why don't you come check out Marbella? And, um, you know, there's that, that Poker Stars link because we do festivals there. There is the Poker Stars Festival, which used to be a kind of a hub event for the UK IPT Australia's when those tours were running. And the Marbella Festival apparently is one of like the best things to do on the Pokestars calendar because it's right in the summer you got the beach right there and right. everyone has a fantastic time and I had always wanted to do that and of course it wasn't running but I hollered at Natalie who used to you know organize those events for yeah. us and just for a recommendation she goes don't worry I'm on it I'm going to call the hotel we go to all the time we do give them a lot of business they're going to set you up I'll, I'll take care of it for you so she got me a deal on a room there and uh, luckily in Barcelona, I was like really tired by the end of it. So I wrote to her and I was like, hey, thanks so much for setting that up for me. Uh, I'm so excited to go there Monday. Um, I'm just, you know, wiped out after this. And I really appreciate you doing it. And then she raised me back. And she's like, you told me you were going at the end of September. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so she calls them on a Sunday, gets them to rearrange it, re- rebooks the whole thing for me. This is all part of the larger story as to why I should not be booking my own travel. So I want to say thank you to Natalie, but also to Nikki, who handles all the travel for for us when we're working. Now, Nikki is always rearranging things for me. I'm so grateful to have her because my travel is complicated coming from the States and hotels and everything. So Nikki helped me arrange my flight to, to Marbella and back, which is helpful but also good for the show because if i had to do it myself i could fuck it up so i decided of course on my own volition to book an airport transfer because marbella is like an hour from the airport from malaga (laughs) airport well when i showed up the airport transfer guy's like uh are you are you alone and i'm like yeah and i was like oh man this guy thinks i'm a loser (laughs) <laughs> like coming to Marbella for myself. No, the reason he was asking is because I somehow booked myself an enormous bus. <laughs> <laughs> the not, Joey bus. Not like a passenger van, not like the ones that take us to and from the airport. A gigantic 
30 seater bus for just myself and i felt fucking terrible how much did you pay for this it was not that expensive it, i mean i thought it was expensive when i booked it it was like 80 euros but i was like well it's an hour from the airport and i just felt terrible about the gas like how what the hell did you not think that to mitigate the environmental damage you were causing and also to make some money that you could sell seats on the bus i could have i should have gone but the thing is i didn't realize to where i was like is this the fucking car and he's like yep that's why i asked you if you're traveling alone <laughs> you should have said yeah but i have a lot of luggage yeah I, I did have a bit of luggage and so i took some video of that maybe we'll have a chance to show it at some point in one of the other shows um i did um basically the friend i went to go visit basically was like oh yeah by the way i have a boyfriend now so we can only kind of hang out like for <laughs> for one dinner and so i was like cool i just pretty much booked this whole trip to come see you but no big deal so the second night i decided to go play a poker tournament at the casino i think many people would have seen you live tweeting this particular event yeah. how much of this was for comic effect and how much of it was real it was all real it was 100 euros so i was like oh this is reasonable no it's 100 euros for your first 5k in chips and then it's another 100 euros for fifteen thousand more chips <laughs> and then there's unlimited one and 200 euro rebuys for the same amounts uh, for the first four levels, which are 20 minutes each. And then there is a 100 euro add on at the end of all this. So we're really talking like a five or 600 euro tournament, not a 100 euro no. tournament. And the, th the game played so fucking wild. It would go, I would four exit from like under the gun and I'd get six callers. And so then the next hand, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to five exit seven callers. It was fucking wild. There were four all ins in the first orbit. And so I was like, God damn. So I managed to, and so, so there's a guy sitting to my left who was patched. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure he was patched or he just got a free hoodie from a poker site? No, it was point? a patch stuck to his shirt, and I don't know why he was wearing it, and I wanted to mock him mercilessly, but he was really nice. <laughs> he ended up being super nice and explained, he was from Norway, explained the rebuy process to me. There was a woman, old lady to my right who was so aggro, and she was just rebuy after rebuy. Um, and so I was like, God, I'm just going to hang out till after the rebuy period. I don't want to be in this for like a thousand euros. So I didn't rebuy at all. I was in for the minimum, which was... Th 300 euros mm. um but the bad thing is by the time i had sixty thousand in chips the blinds were like 500 a thousand after the break which really isn't a ton and then 20 minutes later i had like 40 big blinds so i lost uh half my stack calling down with top pair against the set and then i got like a text that kind of pissed me off and super aggro old lady um raised like she raised every hand and i hit top pair and then she moved all in on the flop i'd like seven eight and i call with seven eight and she had pocket queens and that was it that was it because i tilted it off like an idiot because i was mad about a text that i got weren't you guilty of an etiquette violation as well yes i was i folded out of turn i hope you got a penalty i did not get a penalty but I, all i will say is that i'm pretty sure it was a conspiracy by patch guy's company <laughs> to make me look bad I think we know what you're referring to. So without further ado, <laughs> shall we talk about Barcelona, starting with that hand? Event recap. Event recap. So yes, we recorded the last podcast on location at the PokerStars Championship, but we didn't get a chance to talk about the aftermath of that moment that we had on the feature table on day three on Bubble Day, when Patrick Leonard made a, an interesting play which could be described as an angle shoot. Obviously, Patrick has made it clear that was not his intention, and as you said at the time, Joe, intention was very important. I think what was fascinating was that the initial reaction to this from Patrick was hyper-defensive. Since then, he has now recorded a video blog, which we've all seen, 
where I think he's realised that what he should have just done is said at the time, look, it was never my intention to do anything other than fold there, but I appreciate that it kind of looked bad. We all know that perception is more important than reality, and it's made him rethink how he's going to behave at the table in the future. If he'd done that straight away, it would have been so much easier. But to be fair, he did also apologise for lashing out in the hours that followed that hand going live on the internet. Well, he did do that. His very first tweet I thought was fine. His very first tweet was like, lol, anyone who knows me knows that I was never going to call in that situation after I said you got it. And I thought that handled it fine. I think what happens a lot of the time is you get hammered on by people on the internet. Yes. People are muckrakers. They make it worse. If he had listened to what we said in its entirety before getting all the abuse on social media, I don't think that uh, maybe he would have felt the need to then respond further. And I think that a lot is being made about context. Uh, and I think that's true. Context matters. And I would just say that, you know, that what our response to it at the time also needs to be taken into context. Yeah, it just so happened that it coincided with us getting very close to the bubble. Because of that, Neil Johnson, our head of live poker operations, <laughs> Johnson. was in the booth. And of course, this is exactly the kind of thing that Neil is going to talk about because he works with the TDA to set rules in live poker events. This is his bread and butter. That's why it became a discussion point. And to me, it's one of those hands that's interesting to talk about. It starts a debate. That's why everyone was talking about it on social media. That's why the hand out of context got posted as a video. And I think it's unfair to suggest that it was just PokerStars pros talking about it. Everyone was talking about it. Doug Polk, Joey Ingram, all of the kind of poker influencers were discussing this moment. And I think to address a couple of points in Patrick's video, first of all, there was absolutely no conspiracy to discredit him in any way. We're big fans of Patrick. We wanted him on the feature table that day because we wanted to watch a great British pro play. Right. Like, how could we have possibly known that this thing was going to happen? And if you were listening to the commentary at the start of the day, I was singing his praises. I was like, I've heard a lot about this kid. Yeah, I was kind of gutty because I actually wasn't on the air. I was down, obviously, helping with the bubble when all this went off. And he was a player, I must admit. I knew his name, but never really seen him play. And he really grew on me. I was really chuffed to have him on the featured table. And I think we were quite complimentary that we started off not knowing too much about him. But actually, he had a good bit of chat. He had a good rapport with the players around him. He was he was really good fun for the featured table. And then I went away for a while, came back, and it was like, boom. And it, it seemed a real shame because I think he was he was blossoming into a great feature table character. The final thing I wanted to say is, and again, what unfortunately helped fuel the conspiracy theories was Patrick making a big deal of the fact that his patch was replaced at the start of the day. Now, we all know that the PS Live T's and C's are a bit like the iTunes terms of service. No one ever reads them. They just click the agree button. There is a very clear clause which states that there is a maximum patch size on feature tables. And it's to, so that we are compliant with broadcast codes around the world, especially in the UK. That applies to the PokerStars patches. It applies to any other brand as well. And fortunately for Patrick, his sponsor provided us with TV-friendly patches, so we were able to replace it. It's a standard rule, and it's been in place since the beginning of our tour in 2004. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, the final table. Um, didn't go the way any of us expected for the simple reason that they were shallow when play started. We figured we'd see three or four bust-outs probably in the first couple of hours, and then maybe a meaty three-handed or heads-up battle. But no, they just decided to play with 15 big blind stacks for 10 hours. I mean, things like this <laughs> things like this in poker, I think, are like they uh, self, self-propagate themselves, you know, like people start playing kind of tight and then everyone else starts playing kind of tight and then and so on and so on it was very weird i'd never seen anything like it what i love is that there's always something different about each final table and this one you know that became the theme for a while it was the weird the weird thing for me is like cuz behind the scenes when like so in that instance you got john james on the commentary is I'm actually living at that point in the real world and I've got my clipboard with all my little notes about the different players and I'm standing by because if someone gets knocked out the idea is because I'm not on commentary I can go out and do a quick exit interview with the guys and I stood up and sat down about <laughs> 20,000 times because apart from like um, Usman Siddiqui getting knocked out and I went out and had a quick chat with him is I just all I saw was there were like five players left and the largest stack was 37 big blinds and the, sh the shortest stack was 26 big blinds. And I'm thinking any minute, any minute now. And every time someone went all in, I stood up, I turned to the right page 
and they doubled up and I sat back down again. And it would just became ridiculous is that I can't, I, was it four and a half, five hours or something passed between the first yeah. exit and the next? Well, it's crazy too when, you know, when we're sitting in commentary world and we were, because of the different broad, type of broadcast we're doing this time, we were hosted by Unilad and we had a much bigger audience. So if you guys were listening and things sounded a little weird, if we were, our poker talk was a little more rudimentary, we're trying to bring new players into the game, get people hooked on poker. So, uh, Hang with us, my babies. I don't think anyone could complain. When you're getting analysis from Daniel Negrano and Jamie Staples, and can I just say, by the way, thank you to both those yeah. guys for spending most of the day with us, especially Jamie, who was with us from the beginning of the day right through to the end. That really added something. And whether you're a newbie or whether you're a hardcore poker fan, you're getting something from the experience of having those guys on board. Yeah, mic. I mean, there were a few complaints about Daniel explaining what the big blind was and what an ante is and stuff like that. But once I seemed to explain it, like I put out a tweet and then I said some stuff in Twitch chat and people were like, oh, okay, we get it now. Um, but because of that broadcast, we were in the booth for longer than we normally would have been. And so we were in the booth for something like four hours to start off with. When I stepped out into the real world, one hour into the future, I was expecting them to be three-handed, still five-handed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on out it's here? It's just a different dynamic to what we've seen before. But what I thought was interesting is even though it was shallow, even though there wasn't much play in it, it was still super entertaining and the audience seemed to love it. It was entertaining. It was interesting to have to explain, hey, guys, it's not always like this, but you know, here's why we're making such a big deal about it. Also entertaining because we had so many likable people at that final table. Obviously, Andrea Kari is like the poker darling. Like Everyone just loves that dude so much. He brings a massive audience with him. All the Brazilians involved. We had Rafael Sorrentino, who's already won an event this year, which would have been an incredible accomplishment if he had done it again. We had uh, Lachazar, who was uh, who was becoming a bit of a character until Sebastian Sorensen. He was just kind of lying in the weeds, not doing much, and then all of a sudden, their deal happened, and it seemed like maybe he didn't get, quite get the best end of the deal. He had no one there with him. He had no one on his, you know, to sort of uh, tell him. I mean, we'd already commented on the fact that he had no rail. You had the loud Brazilians, the loud guys from Uruguay, the very loud Bulgarians. No one there for Sebastian. No one in his corner when it came to deal negotiations. And some people in the audience did feel that he was getting press ganged a little bit by Rafael Sorrentino into giving up 15000 in equity. He got the sympathy vote and also... People just latched onto the fact that he constantly had that Miami Dolphin scarf wrapped around his face. Yes. And so thanks for digging this up, Matt. Matt pulled up this tweet from uh, Darcy Lindzen, who this was like the uh, the powder keg. Well, this, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even really know because as, as time went on, there was so much like response, like getting behind Sebastian. And I don't know why this one jumped out at me, but it, it struck me as... It was a name I've never seen before. Darcy Lindzen means nothing to me as far as our regular, you know, tweeters. No. And and his little message came in, and it just jumped out at me, and I, and I and I I kind of stopped him. Went, listen, this is great. It says, I was feeling a little down today with a health problem. Scarf guy is inspiring. I am scarf guy. <laughs> and and it was brilliant. And then and then Joe was just like, that's beautiful. In fact, everyone everyone and Twitch and on Twitter, can I get an I am scarf guy? And the rest, as they say, is history. It just it was kicked the off social like media attack. equivalent of the big scene in Spartacus, and just as emotional. Yeah, and and the guy, for all intents, shouldn't have won the heads up match. You know, Lacazar, uh, basically, James notices that he is a hyper turbo spin and go heads up expert, and that's what this table was. It was short yeah. stacked, uh, basically hyper turbo sit and go by the time, uh, spin and go by the time it was three handed. But equally, it doesn't matter what your skill advantage is when the stacks of that shell of the cards have to go your way. And crucially, in the big pots, when it mattered, they went Sebastian's way. Right. And so did the audience. Like everyone was, I am Scarf Guy. And then just this magical sort of run of events happened where Scarf Guy ended up the winner. And gave a fantastic interview. Now, he gave an amazing interview. Now, this is what's shocking to me, and I mentioned it in the interview. But so, you know, when I get called out to go do the interview, the scarf guy, to me, seemed relatively emotionless most of the day. And it turns out that he wasn't emotionless. He had just bottled them up 
all day long. Like, that scarf was hiding a lot more than his face. And it all came out on stage in a two and a half minute chat with you. Yes. And the, the thing is, before, you know, I end up talking to the winners a little bit before they're ready. You know, they're getting the cameras set. They're getting everybody off the stage. And typically, I just chat with them a little bit just to get them warmed up. In his case, he was on the brink of tears. He seemed almost upset. And what's bizarre is this dude had just won almost a million euros. And I'm consoling him. Before we start, I'm like, it's okay, calm down, everything's all right, you won, congratulations, it's all right, buddy, just hang in there, we're just going to have a quick chat, I'm like rubbing him on the back, and so I expect this heartfelt, emotional, I think he's going to cry, I think he's yeah. going to be like Sebastian Pally, he's going to cry when I speak to him, and then I do speak to him, and this happens. I mean, I won like, uh, one of the qualifiers uh, for $200, and I was like, damn, she's crazy, like, uh, how can I win this, like... How the fuck am I gonna do, uh, make it to the second day? And then I made it to the second day. I was like, damn, shit, this is crazy. Like, then I made it to the fucking final save, and I was like, like, what's going on here? Like, some people cry when they get emotional. Other people swear. We apologize for all the swearing. Hey, dog poke, dog poke. If you want to play, heads up. Just, uh, you know, holler at me. Second life tournament. He's already calling people out. So that was the interview Sebastian gave on the night. We now have an exclusive interview with hashtag scarf guy here on Poker in the Ears. Let's welcome the Poker Stars Championship Barcelona main event winner 2017, Sebastian Sorensen. Hey, buddy, buddy, I just want to let you know, you can curse as much as you want on this show. No big deal. Fucking yeah, I will. <laughs> Sebastian, you, this might be the most excited I've ever been to have a second crack at interviewing somebody. Buddy, have you calmed down? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, uh, it's like you said, uh, you know, we deal with uh, emotions in different ways. <laughs> so I was just like cursing away, I guess. <laughs> I think that we were all just pretty surprised because you seemed very uh, emotionless during uh, play. Like, you just seemed no offense, like a very typical kind of icy, cold, Swede killer. And then all of a sudden it's over and you were just exploding. Yeah, totally. But uh, I mean, it, it was like, yeah, you know, when you play with these uh, killers, you know, you, you're trying to look uh, as cool and uh, as possible. And, you, you know, just uh, trying to look, uh, you know, quote, like professional or whatever, you know. I was, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience playing with this kind of players you know so I, I was just yeah you know trying to keep it as cool as possible and don't give any tells and stuff like that solid strategy yeah you did a good job at it and talking of cool that was a great photograph that you tweeted a few days back of the miami dolphin scarf now draped <laughs> over the poker stars championship main event trophy i'm assuming that you are a dolphins fan and that's why you chose that particular scarf uh i mean i bought it like a year ago because i wanted a scarf so, uh, but now I like, I, I guess uh, I have been grow growing more and more. I, I really like the sport. I have a friend who plays in Sweden uh, and uh, it's a really good sport. It's really entertaining and so much tacti uh, like tactical aspects. So yeah, sure. So wait, I mean, so, yeah. So what made you decide, uh, were you in a scarf store and there was a bunch to choose from? You chose the dolphins or you ordered it online or what? I ordered it online, you know, I was uh, like everyone in Sweden has like soccer scarves or like hockey scarves. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have something else. So I just, you know, picked <laughs> that like uh, like an NFL uh, scarf. The anti-scarf. Are you happy with the whole scarf guy phenomenon? Are you, do you embrace hashtag scarf guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's funny because when I was playing, I had no idea about this uh, whole scarf guy thing. But then, like, <laughs> as I was playing, my, my phone was, like, blowing up with people, <laughs> like, like uh, you know, typing scarf, go scarf guy and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. I have to know, though, did you end up going back to work or not? I did not. You yeah, quit but, your job. <laughs> but, I mean... Uh, you know, when I won the qualifier in July, you know, I asked my boss if I could uh, uh, get some free time and uh, go and play. And he said, uh, and he was like really cool about it. And I and I got to take uh, like a week off. So, you know, you know just to repay that, uh, I will I would probably work one week 
next week and then I will quit. That is fucking fantastic. Of all the people that I've interviewed, I'm like, are you going to quit your day job? They're always like, nah, probably not. Nah, probably not. This is awesome. Can you tell us more about that job? All we know is that it's a warehouse. What do they do there? What do you specifically do? They have like, uh, like, lo- like a lot of logs and wood and stuff like that. So when people are building homes or companies are building homes or building like uh, fences or whatever, they come there and they buy stuff like that. So- and then uh, there's like a, a section in the uh, warehouse where, where we paint all this wood. And that's basically the most, that's like my main, uh, uh, yeah, like, like my main thing, what I do there. Do you paint with brushes or like a spray gun or what? Uh, sometimes brushes, but uh, for the most part, it's like a machine, it's like a big machine where you just, yeah, you know, it's just uh, doing, it's, it's doing like all the work. I just have to put the wood into the machine and then uh, paint itself. Just do, basically. Me, just do me one favor that we could go back to work. Be very yeah. careful because we've all seen the movies. Just one week to retirement. Don't take on any big orders <laughs> or like try to get something <laughs> off the top shelf. Just take it easy. Um, and whatever you do, don't wear the scarf because that is going to get tangled up and you'll get dragged through the machinery. <laughs> we've all seen it happen. It seems unlikely, but that's exactly what the machine is looking for is something to grab hold of. Yeah, I will definitely keep that in mind. Uh, Sebastian, you mentioned that you won that qualifier in July. It was a 215-euro ultra satellite, getting you a ticket into what was only your second ever live tournament. Tell us about your first. Uh, the first, I mean, when I won the qualifier, I was like, I can't go here and like, uh, like, haven't played. I miss. I need to play at least one tournament. So I saw in Malmo, which is like 10 miles from here, they had a tournament called Malmo Open. And it was like uh, $1,000. So I, I took uh, $1,000 of my betting stack and uh, I played a tournament. How did you do in that tournament? <laughs> really bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just playing like an idiot, like, shove, like trying to win every hand, like shoving 40 big blinds on the, the, when I was on the butt. Just to steal blinds and shit like that. I wonder if you're so, playing at a tournament, Malmo, if they're like, hey, this guy's a Swede, be careful. Those Swedish players, I mean, everyone's Swedish. Anyway, um, during that interview, you took a bit of a, um, you told us a little bit of your poker story. Like, I was playing fucking two cent, four cent two weeks ago. I was playing micro. Uh, Can you tell us your sort of uh, poker history now a little more coherently? And you don't have to put on the French accent if you don't want to. Oh, whatever. (laughs) I mean, like uh, back in the days, uh, me and my friends were... Like during the boom, I guess, like 2008 or seven or whatever, like uh, we used to play like every weekend, uh, like uh, home games. And uh, when, I, when I turned 18 and I opened a Stars account and I started playing a little bit from time to time, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, just, just putting in $10, going to the micro tables and shoving like seven dues on everyone <laughs> just because it was funny, you know. And, and, you know, sometimes you won and everyone got angry and that was even more fun. So, uh, but then I, then I started like betting and doing and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but then like uh, 2015, I won this uh, bet on ideas uh, in MMA. So I, I got my stack up to like a thousand dollars. And then I put all that thousand dollars on Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. And then, uh, so I won like a 3K, I think, or something like that. Then I put that 3K on uh, Trump's going to win the presidential election and he won. So I got like a stack on for like 12K. <laughs> and, and, you know, by this time I was like, I, I can't keep doing this, you know, shoving like, like fucking 100% of my stack on bets and stuff. <laughs> like, it, it's just stupid. So I was like, then I started like watching World Series of Poker EPT and stuff on YouTube. And, uh, you know, I really brought back that... Uh, feeling you had when you you played with like with your friends uh, and uh, were, were playing in at the beginning you know on stars and, and shit like that but what was it like to step into that room and actually play in a tournament like that yourself bearing in mind that all you'd played previously was this 1k event in malmo uh it was it was scary but you know i didn't really have any expectations i just saw it like uh yeah, I I play this day. I probably bust out, and then I can and then I can go to the beach or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy. I was in Barcelona like for over one week, and I didn't see anything except the casino. 
<laughs> well, now you've got some traveling money. You got some walking around money, as they say. Sebastian, uh, one last question about the interview. Why yeah. in the why in the world did you feel the need to call out Doug Polk? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I guess it was like an impulsive uh, thing. <laughs> uh, look, all I would ask is, look, don't don't play Doug Polk heads up right away for the whole thing. All right, let's just. You know that you're onto a bad thing when Doug immediately responds. Yep, I'm 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 good. Let's make it happen. We'll find a date. I mean, <laughs> I'll come to I Barcelona mean, now. I think he knows I won't put put up like crazy amount of money and go from micro to no split in one week. You know, but. I mean, if he if he wants to play for like five thousand dollars or something like that, then sure, I'd love to play him. He's a, he seems like a great guy, and I watch all his uh, footage on YouTube, and I, I'm a fan of his, you know. Now I've got a couple more questions about the final table, Sebastian. Then you'll be exposed to one of Joe's dumb games. Um, first of all, <laughs> the scarf was consistent, but the hair was not. Sometimes the hair was down, and sometimes it was in a man bun. <laughs> what was the thinking behind the differing hairstyles and are you aware that Daniel Negreanu is not a fan of the man bun yeah I, I watched like the replay of the stream and I heard him say that uh, I don't know it was, I, I usually have it like in a man bun but uh, so uh, yeah I don't know I don't really have didn't really think about it I, I just pulled that way back like that I guess and the other thing I wanted to ask about was the deal, because I think it's fair to say this is when people were starting to be on your side. We commented already about the fact that yeah, yeah, yeah. you didn't oh, really yeah, know the deal. Yeah, you didn't know anyone in the casino. There was no one cheering for you like they were for Andre or for uh, Lachazar. And then when it yeah, came yeah. to the deal, you had no professional advisor. You had no one there to help you look at the numbers. Did yeah, you true. feel that you were being strong-armed? Did you feel that they were pressuring you into accepting a deal which saw you giving up money? I tell you what, uh, I, you know, when I look back, you know, I was I was tired, I was I was really tired of playing poker in general. I looked up at the at the monitor when you see the pay jumps, you yeah. know, it was like 300k or something like that. And uh, you know, Sorrentino was he was correct when he said like we we're just playing dice right now for like yeah 300k, but but with that said, like. Uh, it, you know when when uh, when he and his friends were like uh, like discussing in, in the Italian or whatever, and like one of his friends looked at me and smirked. You know, it, it really felt bad. But you know, at, at the end of the day, I won the tournament. I won the extra hundred k in the trophy. So yeah, I mean, it's all good. I mean, crucially, you still walk away with a better part of a million euros. You walk yeah, away with true. the trophy on a two hundred fifteen euro investment, and that's the thing. You're now a main event champion. No one's going to take that away from you. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, it's pretty cool. Well done. Good attitude. Look, we're all super happy for you. And despite the fact that they made me apologize for your swearing, we all fucking loved it. Okay, so <laughs> uh, what we're going to do right now is we're going to play a little game. And the game is in case you're ever in a situation where you are excited again and you shouldn't be swearing. It's a game where I'm going to quiz you on some swear word alternatives. Okay. Are these all from your parents? <laughs> oh I know God. your mom's a big fan of this kind no, of stuff. Well, my mom says like, oh, I'm gosh, but my parents actually raised me to believe that if you're going to say like freck instead of it's just as bad as saying the actual word so okay. i wasn't even allowed to use swear word alternatives but they are acceptable on television so we're going to play a game right now sebastian called werewolves or swear wolves <laughs> sorry werewolves not swear wolves werewolves not swear wolves and for every question you get right I'm going to donate $10 of my own money to Hurricane Disaster Relief in Houston because those people need the help. I've made the questions easy as fuck. Are you ready? So I'm, I'm just like uh, supposed to say like an alternative uh, for there a swear word. There are multiple choice too. So Wow, no yeah, okay, one okay. normally gets multiple choice that's in one right. of Joe's dumb games. Well, that's what I'm saying because they're easy as fuck because I want to donate money. Here we go. Question number one. What would be the most common alternative to not swearing when wanting to say something is easy as fuck? Would it be A, easy AF, B, easy Abercrombie and Fitch, C, fucking easy man, or D, <laughs> easy prawn ring? <laughs> I, I thought the second alternative sounded sound best. You like easy AF? No, what was that? The one, uh... Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> Easy Abercrombie and Fitch? Yeah. Sure, that's an alternative to swearing. Let's give it to him. <laughs> 
Question number two. Which of these is the non-swear replacement for the phrase, what the fuck? A, the fuck. B, what the actual fuck. C, shit's crazy. D, WTF. <laughs> that definitely shit's crazy. <laughs> uh, Sebastian, shit is still a swear word. Do you want to take another crack at that? Oh, I'm sorry. Um... <laughs> uh, WTF, or what was it? WTF is correct. Here we go. Joe, you're in the hole for $20. Question number three. Which of these is a non-swear replacement for shit's crazy? A, shit was bananas. B, shit was ridiculous. C, <laughs> I almost shit. Or D, what a strange and bizarre thing that happened. <laughs> what? What? A, like the, the last uh, alternative. <laughs> There we go, 30 bucks going to Houston Flood Relief. Here we go, question number four. Which of these would be a non-swear replacement for calling someone an asshole? Is it A, A-hole, B, B-hole, C, C-hole, or D, D-hole? D-hole. Uh, <laughs> Technically, it's not a swear. I'm going to give it to him. Finally, question five. Which of the following is not an English slang word for male genitalia? Is it A, helmet, B, knob, C, willy, or D, gaff? <laughs> like, yeah? Correct. That is not a slang word for male genitalia, although DGAF does sometimes stand for don't give a fuck. There's a story behind that one, isn't there? There really is. This one time a, a girl uh, asked me to send her a picture of my gaff, and I sent her a dick pic, and then I found out uh, like an hour later when she laughed at me that gaff means house. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a true story. Sebastian, thank you so much. We're not the only one. You're not the only one who uh, misunderstands things sometimes. So we're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And I hope we see you on tour up very soon. Yeah, thank you, guys. Take care. Poker in the ears. So our thanks and congratulations once again to Sebastian Sorensen. Um, he was not the only winner on Sunday. Of course, we have more people win WCOOP satellite tickets in our PokerStars TV competition. Now, of course, across the five days of our live stream from Barcelona, we ended up with 25 winners, and now we have to decide which one of those winners gets the PokerStars National Championship Prague package worth two and a half thousand euros. So do you want to know how we're going to do this, guys? Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay, so Joe... These are the names of the 25 winners. You will notice on the right-hand side of the page, each one has been assigned a playing card. I have noticed that. Now, have we already announced the winners from the final table day? Yes, they were announced on Twitter a couple of days back. Okay, got it. Okay, so I've got here um, the all of the clubs and the diamonds bar the ace. And so that's 25 cards corresponding to 25 players. I'm going to give the deck a shuffle. Am I supposed to say, no, sir, I've never met you before? <laughs> do you know what I'm, I'm now I'm really gutted that I didn't make it in because this looks like a lot of fun in the booth Sh uh, you know what this is great James is just as good at shuffling as he is at typing okay Matt <laughs> okay Matt Matt can, Matt can see oh I can yeah okay I want you to point at a card Matt <laughs> point at a card point at a card hold on Matt I, you know what I'm going to do I'm going to run my finger over the cards Matt you tell me when to stop right keep going 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 stop Okay. That one, that one, that one. That's it. You got it. Now this it. one here. This one here. Yeah. This that's one it. is You've, perfect. It's, it's the six of clubs. I, I can confirm it I, is the six of clubs. That I, is the card I was thinking of. Should I slow roll a bunch of people first? No. <laughs> the six of clubs belongs to Pele PK, who is a day two winner. Pele PK, congratulations! Wow. You will be going to Prague just before Christmas to play the national championship event. Congratulations! We'll be in touch. We'll get your details. We'll ship you your prize. Nice. As we say, 2PK, you got it. Adventures in Online Poker. I'm guessing, Matt, that this is going to be a relatively short edition of Adventures in Online Poker because obviously we don't want to harm your vocal cords too much before we end up <laughs> going to Rosvedov in a few days' time. And also, um, your stream, well, it was a different kind of stream. It was one coming from your nose. Yeah, yeah, streaming while streaming is what it's become known as. Yeah, the thing is, because of Barcelona, 
I missed out on the first Monday night. And you know I do every Monday night with the Poker School Online guys. And you also know to be even vaguely successful with Twitch, even if you've only got 100 viewers, is you've got to be regular. They've got to turn on at the time on the day they're expecting you. So I was always already a little bit nervous that I'd done some damage by missing one week. So I was really keen that on the Monday that we flew back from Barcelona, I committed, I said, look, I think I land about, you know, two in the afternoon, definitely going to be fine to do the evening session. Also, the rotation of my schedule, it was Badoogie night, which as you guys know from me banging on about it, I'm like, Mr. Badoogie, I can't miss Badoogie night. Um, but the only problem was we, we got into Barcelona on the on the Monday, I guess. By Wednesday night, I could feel a bit of a scratchy throat coming on. And I thought, oh, I hope this is just air conditioning and not like a cold forming. And I managed actually to hold it off throughout the week of Barcelona. But yeah, you, you know what it's like? You smelled like TCP the entire trip. Yes, that, that, that I accept. But then I always do just for medical reasons. But <laughs> is that... You know, sometimes if you're trying to hold off an illness because you're working, when the work is finished, your body kind of goes, and now let's be completely ill. So literally from the moment we finished up quite late on on the Sunday to me flying back in, I was sick as a dog. And I got back and I set up my whole, uh, my whole Twitch, my whole Twitch scenario and then just absolutely coughed and sneezed and snorted my way through it. And I knew it was bad, but I was also a little bit delirious. And actually, I did quite well. We had we had a quite good a, quite a good night of it, to be fair. But I kind of was just doing my very best to keep going. I also had some technical issues, which was a real bummer because I've never had that before. Your computer so had the sniffles too. My computer had a cold as well. But because I've not done one for a while, when I started with the Poker School Online guys, they were like, "Look, if anything ever good happens, if anything particularly noteworthy, feel free to put a little video clip together. It's great for us. We'll push it out through the social media." And so I thought, I thought it would be hilarious to go back through the recordings from the Monday night and just catch the couple of times where I like had a little, you know, in, you know, a little breakdown health-wise. Holy shit! There were like 300 instances of me just like coughing and spluttering. So in the end, it turned into this video that I put out on Twitter a couple of days ago of me just absolutely collapsing physically on the stream. But it was for the kids, James. It was for the viewers. It was, and a, there's no- it was a sniffle, sneeze, snot, supercut. It was. It was. It was just. And the thing is, that video that I edited, that wasn't even all of them. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty. It felt, I was like. Did he include every single one? Because there's so many instances well, of him blowing his fucking nose in this fact clip. That it has, <laughs> the fact that it becomes like almost like a time lapse where he basically starts running through at a high speed to capture every single <laughs> sniffle of nose blow. <laughs> um, it was. Well, Matt, I sincerely hope that you are on the road to recovery at the very least. I, I don't care. The thing is, Joe, you got to spend like a sizable amount of time in a very small tin box on the road with me. So you better pray I get better. Otherwise, you're going to be doing a very similar sounding broadcast you, next week. You guys know that I'm virtually invincible, right? <laughs> virtually. Mm. Uh, yes, we are hitting the road this weekend as we head into the lobby now on Poker in the Ears to tell you about Sunday Million Live. It's not a usual situation where we find ourselves streaming on PokerStars TV talking about our next stream being seven days away but yes we're back on air this weekend this sunday and monday pokestars tv from 12 30 central european summertime on both days the final two days of sunday million live which is day two playing down to the final table and the final table itself on the monday so all right so we're flying to prague on saturday yep okay and then we're gonna drive to rosvodov i will be driving you to rosvodov great let's make sure we pick the right lanes this time I will do my best. Uh, and then I'm going to have to listen to you two singing 80s music. I believe Matt's 80s. got many decades covered, but crucially, these are his backing track versions with the original vocals oh removed. Oh, my God, no. It is going to be Road Trip Karaoke. Oh, fuck. Is there no, wait, isn't there someone else? Can I ride with Jens or something? <laughs> isn't he how long is the journey, by the way, James? Have you looked it up? I don't even really know how long Sadly, we're due. Sadly, it is only one hour and 40 minutes. Oh, I could watch Maverick in that time. You probably should have actually done your research for this week's Superfan Contest before next weekend. Um, Just before we get to the Superfan uh, Contest, let's remind everyone about the live show Tuesday the 26th of September. Um, I have an update on tickets. They've sold out again. (gasps) 
What is that really sold out? Yes. Or? So obviously the first time the tickets were available to everyone around the world. Yeah. And we know that people were claiming them in countries where they had no intention of actually coming. So we reallocated a certain amount specifically to the UK market and they went within the week. To be fair, we did talk about it a lot during the live stream in Barcelona. And I think you could tell from the Twitter timeline that people were genuinely excited and didn't want to come. You know what I think we should do next time is we should have them cost something. But when you show up, we refund you the money. Because I still think there's going to be a lot of people that, uh, that, that just clicked on it. Whatever. I hope the place is full. Well, just to be clear, we have oversubscribed this event. Right. We have oversold the tickets by a certain percentage. So even if a significant number of people don't show up on the night, the room will still feel crowded. Out. Now, this guy wrote to me on Twitter. Can I bring him as my plus one? I guess each of us should be allowed a plus one if you want to allocate that to a random viewer. I will do that. Because um, let's be honest, no girl's going with me anyway, so it's fine. All right, kid. No, nobody else asked me though. That's it. That's my one. Don't write to me on Twitter. We're out of tickets, guys. I'm sorry. Nothing I could do. I'm getting choked up just talking about it. Superfan versus Stakes. So let's welcome this week's superfan to the show. He comes from a land down under, and his name is Henry Kilpatrick. Henry, welcome to Poker in the Ears. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Are you actually on another continent right now? You're in the southern hemisphere. Yes, it's it's a little dark outside right now. It's fantastic. It's, it's a tad. I hate to sound like my father, but what time is it there? <laughs> uh, eight eight o'clock at night. Cool. Early and it's, ahead of you. And it's winter yes. time. It is. Yes. Not not too uh not too cold though. It's about uh twenty five degrees. Uh, now look, we we had a little tip that you're you're calling from your your car. Is that true? Yes, I yes I am. Uh, too many TVs and internet disruptions. Interesting. Well, how limiting is it that if you need a strong connection, you have to go and sit in your car? Uh, just important phone calls and all that jazz. <laughs> We're an important phone call. Hooray, Henry. Are we keeping you from uh, going to work or something tomorrow? No, no, no. No, no. Uh, finished work. Got home early for you guys. And what what job is it that you're doing? I'm a customer service manager at a supermarket, so king of the checkout chicks. Excellent. That was my first job was in a supermarket. Um, my friend used to call me grocery store Magellan because I knew where everything was. I'd be like, salad dressing, aisle one. I thought your first job was in a postal depot where you lasted half a day. That was my second job, and I lasted two weeks. Okay. So not really my second. It was like my second job in my hometown. That was like a summer job in between college. What, uh, what is the stupidest thing that a customer has said to you lately? How come I don't get it for free? How come I don't get it? This is my favorite one. Like, any little problem happens, the customer be like, um, does that mean it's free? Someone one time, there was salad dressing called craft free, meaning like fat free, and yeah. they tried to say that it was false advertising. Wow. That it wasn't free. And did tried... they win that argument? I think they did in the end, because the grocery store I worked for sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to say, Joe, but only in America. Yeah, we had, a, we had a policy, the customer is always right, and one time a guy walked in, Picked up a set of patio furniture off the floor that we were selling and then returned it. And when I like for a refund and when I tried to tell the manager he had done it, he was like, that's our policy. No hassle returns policy. I was like, but he never bought it in the first place. I need to find this store. There is it's money not a to business. Made. It's gone. Funny. That. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> Henry, I'm interested in your poker story. How much do you play and what games can you normally be found splashing around in? Uh, well, I started off playing for dollars and cents at home, playing draw, five-card draw. Uh, didn't find out about holding them until Joe Hashem won the World Series. Oh. And then from there, got on to hold them and been playing since, but not too much longer. Well, we have got some PokerStar swag that you could potentially win on this week's <laughs> show, Henry. What have you chosen as your specialist subject? The movie Maverick. Now, I've got to ask, like, why? Just just why, basically? what What's your connection to this film? I don't know. I just enjoyed it when I was a kid, and it's actually still my number one favorite poker movie. Right, because, round I mean, do you know what? Round I'm, the second. I'm glad, I'm glad that you say that you enjoyed it as a kid, because that, that allows you 
to like it because I watched this for the first time and I knew that we weren't going to be like covering the film as like a movie review. We I knew be, that because it's fantastic. Right. Okay. Well, let me let me just present a different <laughs> argument. Um, <laughs> Because I had never seen it, I knew we were doing it for the Superfan, and though I knew we weren't going to be like reviewing the movie, I thought, you know what, we're traveling to Barcelona and back, I'm going to have a chance to watch this film. So I, I downloaded it onto my computer, and I started watching it in Barcelona airport, and was immediately horrified by the fact that it seemed, like all the costumes, it looked like they got them off eBay, like it just looks like a, a kid's pantomime. Uh, Matt, Matt? And- where mm-hmm. are you supposed to get Old West costumes? They don't exist anymore. eBay sounds like a great place to fucking get them. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, I don't know why, but it just struck me as a really, bad, a really bad film. So much so that when I boarded the plane, I, I don't have a problem with flying at all. Like I'm entirely comfortable with flying. The only time I even think about the fact that I might die is when we take off because it strikes me that that's a point where the plane goes from having zero stress to having a hundred percent stress. You know, like when you take off, if something's going to fall off, that is probably the point where it's going to happen. And sitting there with my laptop open, watching this quite horrible film, I thought personally, no offense, is that I thought, you know what? Wouldn't be awful if I died watching Maverick. (laughs) So this honestly came to my head. And so just as we got, and I could see we were taxiing to the main runway, and I thought, you know what? I can't, not like this. I can't die watching Maverick. <laughs> oh, no. So just in case I died, I shut it down and opened up an episode of Family Guy I had on my laptop, <laughs> which even though I'd seen it before, I thought, you know what? I would much rather, as they're picking through the wreckage, they come to my corpse and they open up my laptop and go, well, at least he died watching something he loved and not some shit cowboy film. What the deuce? But... <laughs> but so and and when was the last time that you watched this, Henry? How how fresh is your uh, your recollection? Uh, I about six months ago I properly watched it. I tried watching it last night after work, but fell asleep about halfway through after a long day. Yeah, it's not. So, no, that's because the movie is so funny and heartwarming and delightful that it put him into a sense of ease and no longer stressing about his day. Haven't you said in the past, Joe, that this it is did. your favorite poker movie? It's my like, yeah, it's my. For one one or two favorite poker movie. Yeah. So you really? are going to yeah. butt heads with I Matt. I could be in one. trouble. Well, no, because I haven't seen it in a very long time either. <laughs> but I think this movie is just delightful. Okay. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, just me. Okay. Do you know what? I'm entirely happy to to be in a vacuum here, hating it. But <laughs> I just thought, do you know, what? I've got a feeling I'm meant to find find Mill Gibson's character like charming. But I just want to <clears> punch <throat> punch his shit eating grin through the back of now, his face. Is that? A modern take, though, knowing what Mel Gibson is now and knowing the person he's become, are you not able to appreciate him in the innocent era of the mid-1990s? Back when he was still kind of Australian. No, to be, to be honest, no, I never really let I never really let my thoughts about the actor get in the way of whether I like a film or not, because I have a lot of problems with Tom Cruise as a human, but love his films. Anyway, okay, so listen, you know how this works, boys and girls. We've got ten questions, five apiece. That they all have multiple choice. You can either just hit me with the answer for two points, take the multiple choice that goes down for one. Stealing is available. Um, as always, we will start with our guests. So, Henry, would you, uh, James, and would you mind being, uh, as always, the the uh, adjudicator for me? I is on um, it, in it. Okay, Henry, uh, when you're ready, can I have a number between one and ten, please? Number nine, please. Number nine. Okay. Good move. That's my lucky number. Well played. <coughs> my, mine too. <laughs> oh, oh, oh how exciting! Right during a bank robbery. One of the film's many cameos allows Mel Gibson and who to partner up for an entirely cringy fourth wall breaking reunion. Danny Glover. Correct. Not Two cringy, points. awesome and hilarious when it happened. <laughs> really? Thank you. Yes. Really? But why? It's like it's in the first 10 minutes of the film and you're just trying to like get into the characters and they go, <laughs> we were in a film together, weren't we? Because this was before this happened all the time in every movie. It doesn't matter, Joe. It's still up its own ass. It's hilarious. It really it's cute. It's all a right. wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the camera. Pick a number. Uh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. There's a bonus. There's a bonus for Henry. Which lethal weapon catchphrase gets one last tired outing as Danny Glover <laughs> climbs onto his horse? Am I allowed to swear? You are. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit. Correct. Correcto. <laughs> Right, okay, Joseph, uh, your number, please. I'm worried because I knew both of those. All right, uh, it is always coming seven. 
Seven. All right. Okay. Um, the very first scene of the film sees Maverick facing execution, but by what method? By hanging. Correct. On a horse. Two points. Wow, you guys really do know this dreadful film very well. <laughs> Henry, give us a number. Uh, number one. Number one. Um, with the, quote, poker game of the century, quote, just four days ago, uh, sorry, four days away, how short of the buy-in is our hero at the film's start? 3,000. Fuck me, you're absolutely spot on. Christ, you guys <laughs> love this film. And there's there's a bonus here as well. Can you tell me what is the winner-takes-all prize in the poker game of the century? Half a million dollars. Spot on. Christ wow. almighty. Thank God I've got a tiebreaker. Okay. I don't think uh, I would have gotten those ones, though, so... Okay, okay. Well, that's the luck of the draw. Okay, Joseph, another number, please. Let's drop a deuce. Okay. When Maverick first comes to town, he is only allowed to join the local poker game by agreeing to, by agreeing to do what for the first hour? Lose. Correct. He agrees to lose every single hand. Wow, I can't believe that I bothered typing out multiple choice for these. Okay, everyone's a winner. Uh, Henry, uh, I've already lost track of what numbers are available. Okay, I can do that. I'll let you know the scores, by the way. At the end of the second round, it is six points to Henry, four points to Joe, by virtue of the fact that he's not been lucky enough to draw a question with a bonus question. Boo! Sorry, it's, it's random. It's all random, trust me. Henry, <laughs> you can have three, four, five, six, eight, or ten. Uh, five, please. Five, Okay. The first time we meet... Oh, this one's got a bonus on it as well. This is such a fix. The first time we meet James Garner's character is on a, is on a ferry. Along which river do they travel? Can I have the multiple choice for that one? Yes, you can. Do they travel on Diamond River, Ruby River, Emerald River, or Crystal River? Uh, jeez. Emerald? Incorrect, I'm afraid. It was Crystal River. Sorry about that one. Um, as a bonus, though, can you give me James Garner's full character name? No, I can't. Joe, do you want to try and steal this? Marshall Zane Cooper. Bingo. Correct. Okay, so Joe's closed the gap. There's only one point in it, and it's Joe's round. Pick a number of which I don't know what your options are. Uh, comedy follows the rule of threes. Give me number three, please. That is available. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading. The thing is, I wrote these on my like on my iPhone um, on the plane, and honestly, I didn't edit these at all. This is what I wrote. In one of the most shocking bits of poker game scripting I've ever seen, <laughs> what does Maverick announce as his action that makes absolutely no fucking sense at all? <laughs> So sadly, Joe, you need an insight into what what is the worst bit of poker game, game scripting that I've ever seen. Can I at least um, know what scene it takes place in? Uh, this is in the um, this is in the early scene where he's in the uh, the saloon, like, and they've made him lose for an hour, and now he's he's playing in there. Somebody 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 bets, and he announces. I'll take the Would multiple. Like? I'll take the multiple okay. choice. Your options are. I'll check to your raise, which would make no fucking sense. I'll see your bet, and I'll call, which would make no fucking sense. I'll fold to the checker, or, too rich for my blood, I call. Uh, the second one. You're absolutely right. I'll see your bet, and I'll call. What a <laughs> stupid thing to say. At least it's not and a then, string and raise. And then he raises. <laughs> and, wait, and then he string raises? I don't even remember that. Yeah. Look, I was 13 when I saw this movie. I, I think I'd only ever played draw poker myself. Okay. Um, uh, which uh, numbers are left, please, uh, James? Uh, four, six, eight, and ten. And it's a tied game, by the way. Six points apiece. Nice. Henry, where would you like to go next? Uh, number ten, please. Number ten. <laughs> Sorry. Again, my wording is... Okay. In a desperate attempt to make us give a shit about any one of the main characters, all of which I'd have happily seen killed off in the first act... A stagecoach action sequence occurs for no good reason. While Mel Gibson hams it up trying to get to the spoiler dead old driver, which part of the wagon does James Garner's character say he will take care of? So the short version is, when there's that stagecoach scene, what part of the wagon does James Garner's character say he will take care of? 
The left wheel. Back wheel. Wow. The left rear wheel. Absolutely spot on. Two wow. points. Jesus Christ. Joseph. Yeah, buddy. Uh, whatever's the lowest number left of four. them. Number four. Four. Okay. Which hilarious action does Jodie Foster's character make at the poker table that links her to a favorite James Bond faux pas of ours? Mm, I'll take the multiple choice. Okay. Does she knock all the chips over into the pot? Does she bet using the prawn ring already on the table? <laughs> does she tip the dealer with a zero-value tournament chip? Or does she change shirts during a game? She tips the dealer with a zero-value tournament chip. Correct, correct. This is this is another one of my favorite things about this. Is it's it's like the big poker. What do they call it? The poker game of the century is basically a bunch of not knockout sit and goes, where the winner of each sit and go single table gets to play on the end, and the dealers keep saying things like, "I'll make sure all your chips get to the table." It's like, well, everyone's going to have exactly the same amount what? of chips. They didn't like, what? have Matt Savage back then or Neil Johnson <laughs> it, uh, it, Johnson to run things. It's not just that. It's a case of dear Hollywood. Tournament poker, which not invented until the early 1970s. <laughs> you are at least 100 years out with your historical accuracy. Or inaccuracy. Worst Mel Gibson movie ever. <laughs> right. Um, where are we up to? We're up to Henry. Henry's last question, I guess. Okay, what, what are the numbers left, please, James? Six and eight. Six and eight, Henry. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go number eight, thanks. Okay. A curious prop malfunction occurs as the dealer congratulates Maverick on his first win in the big game. This is inexplicably left in the edit, despite Mel Gibson clearly laughing at it. What is it? I'll have to take multiple choice for this one. Okay. So as the dealer congratulates Maverick, does we see the felt tear on the table, the dealer knock a deck of cards across the floor, a concealed prawn ring falls from his waistcoat, <laughs> or the dealer's fat ass gets stuck in a chair. Um, <laughs> uh, I think he got stuck in the chair. He absolutely does. Well done. Honestly, one hour and 33 minutes in, the dealer leans forward to shake Mel Gibson's hand, and his fat ass, the chair comes with it. And you see Mel Gibson shakes his hand and starts smiling, and the guy pushes the chair off his ass, and you hear a ripping noise. And it's not comedy, because you, you can see the dealer panicking. And even though Mel Gibson looks away from the character to clearly of, of some director or something, they just left it in the left it in the film. Didn't care. They just didn't care. I do have to take issue with the wording of that question, hilarious as it was. A chair is not a prop. It's a set dressing. It doesn't matter why he's dressed as a prop. <laughs> um, the final question is question six. Joe, you are two points behind, so if you can answer this yes. without taking the multiple choice options, you would have tied the game. Okay. Uh also, I can reveal for the first time, I think, Joe, this one has a bonus. So you've got additional I can, outs, I can just as win we it say outright. in the business. I can just win it outright. Okay. Right. Okay. In just one of the many hideously embarrassing scenes featuring <laughs> actor Graham Greene, Maverick pretends he must complete an Indian ritual where they chop off what? His arm. Incorrect. Oh. This can be stolen. Henry, you can steal this because the multiple choice is now. You can steal this for two points or you can still take the multiple choice for one. Uh, both of his hands? Both his hands is exactly the words I've written down. However, the bonus point can come back to Joe. Where are the scores now, James? Does this matter anymore? Uh, it doesn't. So let's see who can answer the bonus question just for shits and giggles. It's my question. It is James, uh, Joe's question. Okay. Um Big Chief Umbongo, or whatever the hell Graham Greene's character's name is, I could be bothered to look it up. He pranks Maverick by substituting a, a Maverick's wad of cash for what? Um, a bunch of newspaper. Correct. Wow. Okay, so Joe gets an extra point at the end, but it didn't make any difference. The final score is 11 points to Henry the Superfan and 8 points to Joe Stapleton. So congratulations, wow. Henry. You are the victor in this week's game of Superfan versus States. I tell you what, Henry, we are going to send you, and everyone loves a chop pot hoodie, and a PokerStars mini chipset. Oh, I've oh, seen thank those. You. Oh, thank you very much, guys. for you. Henry, thank and you very much for coming on the show. Great having you. Thank you. Have a good one. Well done.
All right, guys, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. Next week, I will be in New York City. Matt and James will be back here in London. We will recap our road trip to Rosvadov. And hopefully Sunday Million Live as an event as well. It's not just about the road trip. I mean, for me and Matt it is, but I imagine for you it's <laughs> going to be about Sunday Million Live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's all about the work for me. It's all about the Sunday Million Live. I see another public domain music video on the horizon, by the way, <laughs> from the car trip. Yeah, just to let you know, Joe, I just kind of checked on my phone and I've got 181 backing tracks. So don't forget, oh. there's also the journey back from Rosadov <gasps> to Prague. So you're looking at a good solid three and a half hours of entertainment. And do you want to know the best part about the journey back from Rosadov to Prague? It will be at seven in the morning. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm actually at my best that early in the morning. That's fine with me. Also, next week, possibly, we put the feelers out for getting Andre Akari on the show. Yeah, obviously, we spoke to Sebastian today, but Andre, also a huge part of the Barcelona event, uh, had so much support at that final table. How many messages did he have on WhatsApp? I mean, it was like four figures. It was hundreds, and I really did see Neymar was was WhatsApping him, which is pretty funny. Okay, cool. well, let's try and catch up with Andre next week. We'll try and make it happen. All right, and we uh, one last thing here. We need more super fans. Yes. Remember, ideally, we want you to come with a poker-related subject or something that Joe knows something about. So, obviously, this week, Maverick Perfect. There's a poker connection, and Joe saw it when he was a kid. Uh, we've got a super fan in future weeks who's going to do the original Star Wars trilogy. I'd like to think that Joe can remember those movies from his I can't his believe youth. Matt asked me, had I, have I seen the Star Wars movies? Well, but the thing is, wasn't there Superman or something where it turned out you'd only seen Superman 3? Or you know, there was there was some big some big franchise recently we spoke about where it turned out you'd only seen one of them. No, no, no. It was the Star Wars movies where he revealed he didn't watch them in the right order and he's only watched the special editions of two of them. Right, yes. okay. So I wasn't completely like miles away from just double-checking. Yeah, no, but he's right about Superman also. I've right, only okay. ever seen well, they are. Superman 2 in its entirety, I think. Anyway, crucially, if you want to come on the show, hashtag Poker in the Ears on Twitter, um, and we'll try and get some people lined up for future weeks. And that is it. That's all the time we've got for this week's show. For James Hardigan and Matt Broughton, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.